Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Well, welcome everybody. Tonight we are moving on to the Gospel of Matthew. So if you've been here for a bit, you'll know we've been going through the Gospel of Luke. We've been looking at the miracles in the in the book of Luke and we actually explored every miracle and we were looking at not just the nature of God but we saw that but the nature of his kingdom because Jesus came to bring his kingdom and we are called to do the same. Vicky and Katie were talking about that as well and so this is what we're getting into uh, now. We're moving into Matthew and we are going to start looking at the Sermon on the Mount which is um One of Jesus' most well-known teachings from Matthew 5 to Matthew 7. We're not looking at all tonight. We're looking at over the next couple of months. Tonight we're looking at the section called the Beatitudes about being blessed. So tonight we're actually going to look at who is blessed, which is, a, I think, a a great question. What is blessing? What do you think blessing is? Um, How can you live a life that is blessed? How do you find that blessing? And everybody wants that. Who, Who doesn't want to live a blessed life. So let's pray before we go any further. Father, we thank you that you've brought us here tonight. Thank you for your word, which is so powerful and speaks to us and transforms our hearts and minds. So tonight, Lord, we pray, may our hearts and minds be transformed to be like you. And may we be people who truly know you and truly share who you are with everyone we encounter. We pray, Lord, as Jesus taught us to pray that your your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I see one or two people who were here this morning, so you're getting a double blessing, actually, <laughs> getting this again. But um, I, I love this. I've been thinking about this message for a bit and exploring it, and the more I look into it, the more I see that there's something powerful that happens as God changes our minds. And God changing your mind is actually a lifelong journey. So don't think you've got it all sewn up. You will actually find that through your life, till the day you die, even if you live till 100, 110, God will keep revealing new things to you about who he is and what your calling is in in this world. Wherever we're here, he has a calling for you in this world. So don't ever think that we've reached it because it's a lifelong journey of getting to know him. And so what we're looking at tonight is the Beatitudes, which is Matthew 5, 1 to 11. And then we're going to go over the next few weeks into the rest of the Sermon of the Mount, which is really a new way to be human that Jesus is teaching us. And the profound thing about this is that some of it you will think, I know that. And the reason that you know it is that ever since the gospel has been preached, over the 2,000 years that it has been preached, it has actually gradually been transforming our society and the way we think. And there are some things in the Sermon on the Mount that you will look at and you'll think, isn't that logical but it's actually not because before things like even like humility was not something that was around before the time of Jesus being you'll see this a bit later being so very self-centered was a thing Um, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth was a thing and the whole idea of forgiveness the whole idea of not judging and criticizing other people recognizing that um, there's a plank in your own eye before you pick out the speck in someone else's eye uh in things that have actually transformed our society, our whole legal system is built on the message of the gospel. 
the foundations of it, not every law, but the foundations of it. And we actually have this blessing. But sometimes what we want, as Mark Sayers says, we want the kingdom without the king. And we really need to have this deep relationship with Jesus to be able to hear him, to be filled with his Holy Spirit so that we can actually hear him speaking to us and we can follow the way that he wants us to go. And then we will see life transformation, mind transformation and society transformation as well. So tonight we're going to start off with Matthew chapter 5. I just want to get this little bit into context first. Okay, so in Matthew, just before this, we read about that Jesus has gone into the wilderness. He's been tempted by the devil and he comes out and this is his first major recorded message. And who is he speaking to? Well, he's speaking at this stage to Jewish people who are living under the Roman regime and they are an oppressed people. And here is this new teacher and they really want to hear from him. And everybody, the ultimate thing they want is to be set free, particularly set free from the Romans. You, you might have things here tonight that you want to be set free from. And just as they thought they wanted to be just set free from the Romans, actually want to be set free from more than that. And whatever you feel oppressed by tonight, you think, I want to be set free from this, but you actually want to be set free from far more than just that one situation. You want to be set free from within. So they come up to this hillside and it says this in Matthew chapter 5. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Okay, so you got this group of oppressed people looking how to be blessed and he says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And then he brings it to this. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And even more, blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets, the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now when you first hear this, you, you may have heard this before so you think I know that, but you have a picture that you are already an oppressed people and you read this and he says, well, are you persecuted? You're blessed. And you might think, I want to go to another hillside. I want to hear a different message to this one. Because just like you and I have this commonality with all the people who have existed and those people sitting back on the hillside then, is that we're chasing happiness. And blessing is something that we is external. This is how we often think, feeding into the internal. So you think, you look at people and you think, well, they're really rich or they look really good, or they drive a nice car, if that matters to you. You know, we all have different things. When my husband says, what sort of car would you like? I'd say, does it have a coffee cup holder and a good air conditioner? Then I'm happy. And um, some I can listen to music. But he actually looks for more than that in a car, and probably Russell does as well. Um, but we have different things that we love that make us feel blessed and we have translated all these sort of particularly in the west things to do with wealth as blessing now it doesn't mean it's not gifts and provision from god because it is and we need to acknowledge it like that but how do you understand being blessed if you are not a wealthy westerner you might think i'm not a wealthy westerner but we're all wealthy if we're 
Westerners compared to the majority of the world. So are you blessed tonight if you are in Ukraine? How can you sit there and be blessed tonight? Are you blessed tonight if you're in some, some of the African countries that are going through great turmoil at the moment? How, how can you be blessed? So the problem is that we often associate blessing with external things and they are things that are temporary. It doesn't mean God doesn't want to provide and give you bountiful things. But we call that, that's the thing that we, we kind of fight for. And then our journey of faith goes up and down like this because when God answers one prayer and we say, I'm blessed, and then that disappears or some other problem, then I'm not blessed. So blessing to many of us is our circumstances. What we actually mean is my circumstances are good or my circumstances are bad. So we, God, as Jesus here, is turning things around to help us see what blessing really looks like. And what he's changing us around to see is that generally what we do is we pray for outside things to happen and then we say we're blessed when they happen and that's our faith, but it's actually not because faith happens when you're in the middle of a situation before you see the answer. And so Jesus is coming to rework their minds and ours as well. And at first, it doesn't resonate with you. And you need to go on the journey with Jesus because he is lifting you to a higher plane. So with this word blessed, it's a Greek word makarios, which means happy or blessed, but fortunate. But it's not the same blessing you'll read in Deuteronomy 28, for instance, where it's talking about God's abundant provision. It's a different word. There is no actual equivalent in English so therefore it's hard to translate it but it has more of the connotation of congratulations or as Paul's had a singing raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies I will raise a hallelujah so it's a slightly different meaning so he's saying hallelujah congratulations those who are here tonight and are poor in spirit I'm not sure how this works. How does this work? So we've got to understand firstly what the Beatitudes are not. Okay, they're not commandments and they're not virtues and they're not tricky ways to secure a blessing. You know how we like to look for those tricky ways to secure a blessing? We want this sort of, um, we always want get rich quick or get fit quick or get something quick scheme and we always look for the get blessed quick scheme as well. And they're not that. You look at them and, and they're not, Virtues, poor in spirit, mourning, being meek. Some of them might sound like virtues, like merciful and pure in heart, but they're not actually there for you to strive for, as has often been sort of translated. They're actually, Jesus talking about a state that you, you are in. Poor in spirit really means, as Dallas Willard said, spiritual zeros. You've got nothing to bring to the table. You've hit the bottom of the barrel. Um, meek, people with no power, people who are oppressed, people who are living under injustice, which was the audience he was speaking to that day. Hunger and thirsting for righteousness, those who long for relationships to be made right with God and people and who amongst us doesn't long for that. We think about that a lot. You have so many situations in your life where things just haven't gone right with people and with God because God didn't do the things that you wanted him to do and there's a little bit of a rift between you and God or Christians didn't do the things that you wanted them to do so that created a rift between you and God and all these things that play on our minds. Relationships is probably the biggest thing with God and people that affect our lives. 
And so what is Jesus actually doing? Well, if you go back to Matthew 4, you read this. Jesus began to to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And sometimes we think that means, oh, I better say sorry. So sorry means the kingdom of heaven is near. But that doesn't quite make sense. But the word repent comes from the Greek word metanoia, which actually means think differently, reconsider, change your mind. So what Jesus is doing here is he's actually changing our minds. So it says in Isaiah, God says his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. So he's trying to re new our minds, as it says in Romans 12, to see the world and see God and see people from a totally different perspective. And that's why when you come to Jesus, and sometimes when you read the Bibles, it's, the Bible, you think it doesn't quite make sense at first because God is renewing your mind. And you could read the Beatitudes and think this is the key to blessing, but Jesus wants you to see it slightly differently. So repentance can lead to sorry when you have your mind changed. You know, sometimes you suddenly realise that you got something wrong and you suddenly feel really bad about it and you didn't at first realise that you got something wrong and suddenly some, a light shines on the situation and you think, oh my goodness, I misunderstood that person, I misread the situation, I shouldn't have done that and you feel really, really bad about it. Sometimes you repent because when you did the thing you knew it was wrong and sometimes you don't really change your mind. You're just saying sorry so you don't get caught. It's the repentance that comes when you actually realise, you see yourself. You know, there's been times when I've had to, when God is always pushing me to praise him in all circumstances and as I do that suddenly I see my attitude towards God was very self-seeking, very self-righteous and suddenly I see myself as I really am and I don't like it and so I say, I'm really sorry. I don't want to be like this anymore. Please renew me. There's one form of repentance. Sometimes repentance brings great joy. You know, I grew up in a church that didn't, I didn't actually ever hear grace preached until I was in another church in my late teens and I suddenly heard grace. And it was like a renewing of my mind to discover grace of God. Grace? I always thought you just had to work really hard to be good. I'd never heard about grace. And there's a repentance coming there because it's like, but it's full of amazing joy. There's all these different things. And sometimes it's just you hadn't, things just went clear to you. And it's like, oh, that's what it means. Like Graham texted me the other day and asked how the insurance assessor went at our house. And I sent him a text without my glasses on sitting in a meeting. Then I get questions back from him like, what? And I looked at my message and I said, he was cremated. The insurance guy was cremated. And he was wondering what wicked house he came to. But we fixed up because he wasn't going to give us a good quote, so got rid of him. So sorry if you're an insurance assessor, don't come to our house, unless you give us a really good quote. So sometimes you just realise, you just grow up and you just realise you made a mistake, you got it wrong. So Jesus is saying, repent. Now, you be ready to change your mind. And I believe God is saying that to you tonight. Will you be ready to take the risk to change your mind? Sometimes this is why following Jesus in the kingdom is really important. Otherwise, you work out how to make it happen, what you should do and think, well, this seems right to me. So I feel through my life, God keeps bringing me back to the thing of thanking him and praising him in every situation. And sometimes I really, really don't want to I really don't want to. But when I start doing it, then he starts to change my mind. Once I start doing it, I realise, oh, actually, 
That's right, God is sovereign. That's what sovereign, that's why I do that. Because I'm actually not in control of my life. I gave it away to him. And gradually he starts to change my mind. And I, I dare you to try it in every circumstance. Well, Jesus is actually daring you tonight in this. So the audience that Jesus was speaking to had a view of blessing, which was probably in a similar way, at least in a, a philosophical view, similar to ours. And if you look in the Sirach, which is a Jewish work originally in Hebrew, ethical teachings from 200 to 175 BC is when it was written. And these people would have been familiar with this. And it says, I can think of nine whom I would call blessed, and a tenth my tongue proclaims, a man who can rejoice in his children. You think, yeah, that sounds really good. But that would imply that you, if your children aren't doing well, you're not blessed. And are you? Because Jesus' teaching seems to be a little bit different. A man who lives to see the downfall of his foes. Everyone goes, yes, may they all be punished. May they be cremated. Um, happy the man who lives with a sensible wife. Graham. <laughs> Abundantly blessed. Any other men here who are blessed? Married men? Yes, you should have all raised your hand or you will not be blessed tonight. And the one who does not plough with ox and ass together. Well, that's a logical one. Hmm. Happy is the one who does not sin with the tongue and the one who has not served an inferior. That means in your workplace, uh, you are the superior. You don't have to work for anyone who is less educated, younger, whatever. Um, you, or you are the superior one. Happy is the one who finds a friend and the one who speaks to attentive listeners. Now oh, it's me. <laughs> Everyone's listening. But, you know, it's the sort of the idea that when I walk into the room, everyone wants to listen to me. Um, how great is the one who finds wisdom, whose name, who, but none is superior to the one who fears the Lord. And at this point you might think, that's all right, isn't it, fearing the Lord? But it's superior. Do you see how it's all about superiority? It's all about self-focus. My enemies are destroyed. Everyone loves to listen to me. My wife is sensible. My kids do the right things. And I'm very spiritual. Fear of the Lord surpasses everything. And that's true, but there's something that is totally different to what Jesus is saying in the Beatitudes because we live in the culture that says unless you have these external things, you are not blessed. But you may have heard this, the saying, the best is yet to come, and it's often put in terms of like, you know, more prosperity is going to come. I'm not saying it's not going to come, but that's actually a quote by Corrie ten Boom. Now, some people haven't heard of Corrie ten Who has heard of Corrie ten Boom? Great. Exactly. It's all the oldies. So if you think you're old and you haven't heard of Corrie ten Boom, you are young. There's some books that I think are just great Christian classics, and this is one of them, um, Tramp for the Lord by Corrie ten Boom, which may be out in our library and it's worth getting it. I'll just go onto Amazon and get it. And it's the story of this amazing woman, a Dutch woman, who she and her dad and her sister had a watchmaker's shop in um, Holland during World War II and they were able to protect Jewish people from the Nazis and they had a secret rooms in the house, elaborate system they had set up to protect people but eventually they were discovered and they were taken away by the Nazis and they were put into concentration camps where her dad and her sister died and her dad said to her when they were being taken away, Corrie, the best is yet to come. It wasn't about greater financial provision. It was about an entirely different worldview. It was one that was not just about you. 
and God being your little genie to make you happy every day. It was about you giving your life to him so that he would rework your heart and mind and you would bring his blessing wherever you may be planted. And so she goes off to a concentration camp with the aim of bringing blessing to everyone where she's planted and she does that. And she's able to smuggle a Bible into, into the concentration camp and in the, the, um, the room that she's staying in and she teaches everyone in the room to thank God for the fleas. And the result of that is that none of the guards would come into the room because of the fleas. So she was able to get her Bible out and bring hope and love and salvation to many of the women in that room at a point where they so desperately needed it because she had the idea that the best was yet to come and she was going to bring great things into the place where she was planted and then one day in the presence of Jesus, the very best is to come. It's a totally different worldview and that's why God needs to renew our minds because we have a very self-focused worldview and really our faith is often about us and what we can get. Our church is often about us and what we can get rather than our faith being, I gave my life to Jesus. I actually gave it away. If you're a follower of Jesus, you actually give it to him and you say, I'm living to serve you. And yes, he brings abundant blessing in your life, but it doesn't come from the outside in, it comes from the inside out. That's the difference. And so John Mark Comer, who many of you may have heard, has done a translation of the Beatitudes for today. So um, not the scripture, it's just his translation of the Beatitudes for the day today. And he says this, blessed are the down and out, the unemployed, the underemployed, those on the wrong side of globalisation, those without a degree, and those who are spiritually simple who really have very little to offer. Perhaps that's you, and you're just waiting to be blessed. And he says, rejoice. Hallelujah. Congratulations. The kingdom of God is for you because you have realised you're at the end of your rope. You can't control things. Blessed are the sad, the depressed, those grieving the loss of a loved one, those grieving the failure of a marriage, a miscarriage, the pain of their family, those suffering racism, maybe that's you tonight. And you think if it would all go away, then you would be blessed. And Jesus is saying, in the middle of this, you can be blessed. In the middle of it. Some of those things bring shame, you know. The failure of a marriage, the hopelessness of a miscarriage, the pain of your extended family who may bring shame to you. But God himself will wipe away every tear from your eyes and the comfort that you receive from him is an incredible blessing that transforms your heart and your mind as you discover a God who loves you in the middle of all your circumstances and understands you and comforts you in a way that no human being can do. There's the Holy Spirit who's called the Comforter and he can comfort you and speak to you in a way that will blow your mind because he understands you so much. Blessed are the quiet, the shy, the socially awkward, the uncool, the badly dressed. You may not realise that was you, so it's okay. The people with six followers on Twitter because they will be free from the tyranny of what others think of them. What a tyranny to be living about, always worrying about what others think about you. 
But when you come to Jesus, right in the middle of that, he gives you the role as king or queen in his kingdom, now and for eternity. Blessed are the messed up, those who can't get it together, the addict, the mentally unstable, the overweight, those from an abusive home. For one day, they will be so full of God's life, they won't know where to put it all. Blessed is the little guy, the people who get stomped on, passed over, and they don't fight violence with violence. One day, they will get all that mercy back with interest. Blessed are those who know war is not the solution, who understand the true source of peace and prosperity and are willing to suffer to bring a new world to bear. One day in the future, everyone will be rec- will recognise that they are most like God because that term children of God means that they represent their father. Blessed are all the Christians in a post-Christian culture that is hostile to all they believe about Jesus. Even though they are made fun of or looked down on, they get to share in the cross-shaped life of Jesus and the kingdom of God. So to get this, these Beatitudes, we actually have to look at things through a different lens. So sometimes the problem is not that God got it wrong, but that we can't see what he's trying to say. So you actually have to look at it through a different lens. And we need to look at it through the lens of the kingdom of God. And the lens of the kingdom is like this. It's a present reality because it is here now, but it's also a future hope. So when we pray, as Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come and your will be done, we are placed here on earth to bring his kingdom in wherever we go. So it's a present reality, but it is a future hope. And it does give you hope that the kingdom will continue to grow and expand until one day you stand face to face to Jesus or he returns and everything will come into its fulfilment. But in the meantime, you get to go and bring his kingdom. That's why the mission statement of our church is this. To grow the kingdom of God within us as a, as a person it starts in our hearts and our minds when the Holy Spirit comes into us and we nurture that. To build the kingdom amongst us as a community and then beyond us. We don't just stop with us, we take it beyond us. The kingdom is the now and the not yet. It's here but it's not fully here. It's the time between the times. There was your past and now you are in the kingdom of God and you're being renewed to become like Jesus, but you're not fully there yet. It's the world as it was and the world as it will be. It's the unfinished symphony between the two worlds and we look at it from that point of view. So how do we view our situations? This is what Jesus is saying. How do you view your situations through the lens of the kingdom of God and embrace the blessing right now in the middle of it? Well, if you're here and you feel like, Look, everything is great in your life at the moment. And we do have times where you think, I just couldn't ask for it to be better. Everything is amazing. Then the thing tonight when you think about that is not to be feel entitled or that you earned it in some way. You didn't earn to be born in this nation. You didn't earn the brains that you have that enable you to have a job that you love that pays you a good amount of money. You didn't earn it. It's a gift. So once we think we're entitled, we come up with formulas for how to get things. But when we realise that these things are a gift, we leverage our happiness for the ones who are on this list tonight. And so if you're here tonight, I discover that in every group of people that I sort of live with, that um, generally when uh, one is up, one is down, and that's your opportunity to reach out and pull up someone else. So if you're doing abundantly well financially, you'll find someone who could do with some help. If you're doing abundantly well emotionally, you'll find someone who could do with some help. You look around and see what provision do I have that I could share with someone else. But in the middle of this is all these situations that we've looked at and how are you blessed in the middle of it? 
It's like this. You are blessed in the midst of your situation, not despite your situation. And how do you get there? I think it's... um. I think it's actually very simple but very difficult all at once. I think when Jesus says, blessed are you, and this whole thing means kind of rejoice, be glad, it's like whatever you're sitting in tonight, say thank you, God. Now that might sound a really hard thing to say, thank you, God, but that actually acknowledges the sovereignty of God in your life who wants to bring all things to get work, all things together for your for, for your good and for his glory. He wants to do that. And it starts with you saying, thank you, that this is what I've got tonight. Someone was talking to me this morning about a very difficult situation that they have with a difficult member of their family. But the revelation was, this is the person God has given me to love. Thank you, God, that I'm here and I've got this person to love, as difficult as they might be. And it doesn't mean that God's going to leave you there, but thank you, God, and praise you, God, that your blessing is in the middle of this situation is something you say before you see the answer. Because you see, when Jesus was walking on the earth, he's looking for faith. And, and he actually says, but when the Son of Man comes back, will he find faith? Not will he find a set of beliefs, but will he find faith, this confident expectation in the goodness and love of God? So he's walking along the road and there's a blind man calls out to him and he looks to him and he sees his faith and he says so many times, to people, your faith made you whole because it was the faith of that person and the power of God came together. And we think we'll have faith after God changes the circumstances, but that's not faith. That's just a good answer to the circumstances. But faith is when you hang on to the goodness of God before you see the answer. And sometimes it takes a long time to get there. I've found that there's been times where I feel God saying, I just want you to thank me that you're in the middle of this situation. And I say to him, you have to help me want to do that because I really don't want to. I just want you to change everything. Please just change everything. He says, I want you to thank me in the middle of it. And once you do that, you start to die to yourself. You start to see your spiritual poverty, or you mourn, or you grieve, and you just allow the power of the Holy Spirit to fill your life. And sometimes it takes a bit of a job to do that. And so you need people around you going, keep going to keep praying for you till you get there. Sometimes it takes me weeks to get there when I really mean it. So I don't think it's just like that overnight because in that process, God is renewing your mind and you'll find that you start to see and think differently because seeing the kingdom is really important. Jesus said this to Nicodemus, a guy who came to him late at night to ask him about what this is all about. And Jesus said to him, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see it. It's interesting that Jesus said this. He didn't say unless one is born again, he cannot be in the kingdom of God, which is the same, but he actually says see. And so it means that when you come into the kingdom of God, you start to see things differently and you come in born into it. Born is really important because you come in as a baby into the world and you don't understand everything straight away. But as you grow and develop and learn, you start to see things differently. It's, and, and it's amazing how it happens, even as a physical person. Like my little grandson, Silas, who's five, is at school and you know, he's only in his second term and yet he's learning to read and sound out words and I just find that amazing. And we've all done that. That's the amazing thing. But can you remember how you actually, like you can remember sitting in school learning to read, but how did that actually happen? How did that happen? Well, some of you who teach early childhood probably explain it a bit better, but it's pretty amazing how your brain develops and there's a point comes where you start to learn to read. 
and then you can read an entire book and chapters and all the rest of it. That, that's profound. So just as you grow as a human being in this, as you grow in the kingdom of God, you learn, and you're, you, you, but you have to see it. You can't see it unless you're born again. Like you can't see this world unless you're born. It's very obvious. And Jesus also said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I would not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. So you're moving into a kingdom that operates differently to the way the world operates. I was listening to um, Andy Stanley, who's a pastor from America, and he said during COVID, um, when the church there had became so political and he had people demanding that he gets up in church and gives his political view, and he said he had to keep saying to them, the American Constitution says this is one nation under God, and that sometimes we, we can get these things wrong and sometimes we want to bring our worldview into the kingdom, and he's saying bring the kingdom into your worldview and see what happens. And he says this in Matthew 6, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. All those other things that you're really worried about, seek his kingdom first, firstly in your heart and mind. That's where you start off with. If you want to know if his kingdom's in your heart, it's when the peace that passes understanding comes in your heart. It's when love for people comes into your heart. It's when worry starts to go, when forgiveness starts. That's when you start to know that kingdom is coming into my heart and my mind. And says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In the message translation, it says this, If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never ever seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to, to do here is get you to relax. Do not be so pre- preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. And so tonight... May you be blessed right in the middle of everything that you're sitting in and say, I'm rejoicing God wherever I've placed you, but not with a hopelessness, but with this incredible hope that as we read in Ephesians 1, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. If you are full of his Holy Spirit, if you give your life to him, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. We serve the God of redemption. We serve the God of hope. But we come to him first and we bring everything to him. And in faith we say, thank you for just where I am tonight. I give my life to you. And then we see what he does next. And when you see his miracles come through, he gets the glory because you can say, that was not me. That was the Lord. And so tonight... Let's see who can be blessed. And it's you. And I just want to go through the Beatitudes. And as you look, listen to them tonight, think about where you are. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Are you the poor in spirit tonight? Say thank you. I am blessed in the middle of it because I lift it to you. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Is that you? Lift it to the Lord and you will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Is that you? In a place of injustice or powerlessness, rejoice in the Lord. 
You can give it all away, for you will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Stop trying to do it yourself. Just say, thank you, God, that this is where I am, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. Are you one who continues to show mercy to people and sometimes it feels like it's falling on deaf ears and you feel like you're alone in this world? But the promise is you will be shown mercy. Don't give up. Blessed are the pure in heart. Are you one who is seeking to have a pure heart, to serve God, to serve people, and sometimes it's just jolly hard? Don't give up, for you will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, the ones who are trying to do things in Jesus' way to bring reconciliation between God and people. You will be called children of God. It may be hard. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so tonight we're going to finish off with a time of communion. And as we come to communion tonight, we can say thank you for all these circumstances because we look at this body, the the bread and the cup, which symbolise the body and blood of Christ. And as you take his the bread, the wafer, you look at that and as you break it, remind yourself that this represents the body of Christ that was broken for you. But when you take that, you are invi- he is inviting you to be part of his body. His broken body. So when you participate in this, not only are you reminding yourself of his sacrifice for you on the cross that took away your sin and your shame, his grace poured out for you, but you are being invited into that body, into that broken body that recognises our brokenness and you saying to him, I want to be like you. The same grace that you brought into this world, I want to take it wherever I go. I want to look like you, Jesus. So you're participating in his body by being one who goes out not to be served but to serve. As it says, he didn't come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many and that's what you and I are called to do. And if you choose to be a follower of Jesus, that's what you are following. One who comes to serve and shows grace to every person he encounters. And then when you take the cup, this is the cup of the new covenant in his blood. And a covenant is this agreement, this relationship. It's like a, a marriage relationship is a covenant where you promise to love one another for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health. And we know that those of us who are married know that we, we break that many times. But he is faithful and he never breaks it. But we enter into this a covenant agreement like in a marriage that says, even though I fall, your grace will cover me and I'll get up and I'll become more and more like you. I'm in this relationship with you, Jesus. That's what you're saying. And perhaps you're here tonight and you have never given your life to Jesus. You've never asked him to fill you with his spirit that his kingdom would be born again in you. And I invite you to do that tonight. And later on people will come out and they can pray with you. But when you come, if you want to come and take the bread and the cup tonight, we take it humbly and with reverence because he paid the ultimate price to redeem us from our sin. And we take it with gratefulness. And we bring all our situations tonight and we say thank you for wherever we are because we trust you that you are the God who redeems. You are the God who saves. You are God who restores. And you are the God who uses every circumstance we have to bring your blessing into the world. 
So please come and take the bread and take the cup and take it back to your seat and just have some time out just with you and the Lord. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.